focus with me on Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We are getting ready uh, for this international conference at our church. And uh, I I want to take a minute, I don't want to take away from the time that we have to study God's Word this morning, but I want to take a minute to talk to you about this because of the fact that it's so big on my heart. So we've got these missionaries. I think the list is up 34, 35 missionaries. That's, that's it. people that are either married or are individuals or whatever, but total 35 of them coming in from the Philippines, from um, Brazil, uh, from uh, around the world, uh, India. I mean, I, I could go, the list goes on and on and on. Serbia, these, these countries. And for four days, they're going to be at Fellowship Baptist Church. Now, the reason that they're coming in is we got wind that a lot of these missionaries are just really tired. They're burnt out. Some of them have not been home to the States in years. Uh, They're they're discouraged. Uh, You guys can imagine what it's like being discouraged here in the States and doing what we do. You can imagine being in a foreign country where you're not around a group of people that are helping you and like-minded and things like that all the time. Um, it's, it's a matter of if we could get to the place of getting them here to encourage them and helping boost their uh, the, the morale and, and love on them and be able to help them refocus and refer, revive and refresh their hearts. That, that's our goal. We, we want to love on them for these four days. So the first kickoff of this is going to be October 8th. Sunday night, not Sunday morning, because a lot of them are coming in that afternoon. We're going to have a service where we're going to have them come down the aisle. Now, this might seem silly to some of you. They're going to come down the aisle, and as they're coming down the aisle, we're going to introduce them and their country. And we're going to cheer them on. They're going to be walking through the door like, okay, I've not been in the States for years and all this other stuff. And we're going to have an announcer. We're going to be walking in with their flag. We're going to bring them up to the front. They don't even know this yet. Just so you guys know, they don't even know what they're doing yet. So they're going to be coming down to the front. We're going to stand there with a representative from our church with a flag and then bring them there. And we're going to introduce them like they're celebrities or like they're been off the war and they're coming home. Okay. And then we're going to take some people and surround them. And we're going to pray over them. We're going to thank God for their ministry and thank God for everything that's happened in their life and what they're doing. And then we're going to preach and we're going to sing and we'll do all these things. But here's the thing. I need you guys here. I need you to cheer. I need you to listen. I need you to encourage. I need you to find them. I need you to thank them. I need you to be the representatives of God of, of encouragement and love. That's what I need. And I, and I know a lot of times people aren't able to come here on Sunday. So October 8th, put it in your calendar. I don't, I don't care what's on TV that night. You're going to scratch it. Don't even look at the football schedule. Just don't even look. And that way you're not tempted. And come in that night and help me cheer them on. Now, we'll have service Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night as well. <clears throat> but that kickoff, I want it to be dynamic. I want to love on them because God has given us this opportunity to host this. I'm also looking for people that will help me represent their countries. So we have different ideas of maybe dressing to their culture when they come in and having the flag in their hand or stuff like that. If you're here and you're saying, I would be willing to help you with that, see me or Pastor Chris. We'll put your name on the list and we'll connect you with that. So anyways, that's my commercial. I'm excited about it. I know it's important. So we're in this thing of studying the book of Acts. And I'll be honest, I, I, am, uh, I am to the point where I want to make sure 
that we are studying every detail. Do you know how easy it is to be Christians and you read things in the Bible and just skip over it and you just say, I don't even understand this, so I'm not even going to read that. Guys, that's not helping us. You realize that everything in the Bible is on purpose. Pastor Chris, can you check on the air condition? It is. Is anybody else warm? Okay, that's about half the church. So uh, we don't know. We've had weird issues this morning. We had the house lights in here that wouldn't come on this morning. Then we had the stage lights that wouldn't come on this morning. And now we have air conditioning problems. So Satan's in the the distracting mode right now. But we're not going to let him get to us. Amen? Let's focus. So we, we got into this thing on, on the book of Acts. And Acts is hard because it is a transitional book. So you've got them coming from the law to grace. From the sacrifice to salvation. You, you've got them looking for the promise to living out the promise. And guys, there are segments of time where God does things differently. Same God working in different ways. So you get that. Same God But God works in different ways. The Old Testament, it was still the fact that they've fallen short of of the glory of God and they had to do sacrifices of animals, looking forward to the one day the Lamb of God would be born, that He would die on a cross, and the shedding of blood would be for the forgiveness of sins. Not temporary, but permanently under the blood of Jesus Christ. Then they transitioned past the cross. And all of a sudden, Jesus ascends back into heaven and he makes them a promise. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I give you the Holy Spirit of God. It's not about going to a temple. It's about you being the temple. Guys, you are the temple of God. We don't show up to visit God. We don't stop in to visit God. He doesn't want visitation rights. He dwells inside of you. He possesses you. He controls you. He owns you. You've been bought with a price. It's who we are. And Acts is is the book that gets us and and transitions us into it. He's introducing not just going to church, but the fact that they were the church. In these opening things, it's all to the the Jews and it's not the Gentiles. And all of a sudden later, God's going to transition and expose them to a whole new philosophy that it's not just about the Jews, but about us as well. But the introduction to the Spirit of God, those principles do not change. So, let me review a little bit. We started with the fact that we've all been changed. If you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, there was a change in your life. You are saved. You are sanctified, which literally means set apart. You're not like the world. You're not to look like the world. You're not to act like the world. You're different. And you're sealed. God literally puts the Holy Spirit inside of you. I am a child of God. I've been born into the family of God. I I have been changed by God. I've been prepared. All of us together are being prepared for God. He talked about, I will fill you. You, The only way that God can fill you is to take what's in you out of you. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We preach this message by showing this glass thing that was filled with rocks and I asked you guys the question is it filled with water no it wasn't filled with water because it had other stuff in it you realize that it's not about us getting more of the spirit but the spirit getting more of us I'm not going to re-preach this but I really want to do you understand the fact that if there is junk in your life and God is a holy God and God's called us to be holy he's not going to step into your junk 
He's not going to step into your dirty mind. He's not going to be able to use your talents. He's not going to be all of these things. And as we are sanctified, become more like Christ and say, God, I must decrease. You must increase. And we resign and we talk about all to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. Do we? Are we hypocrites with that? It's like, Lord, I surrender all, but you're, you're not having the fact that I am shacked up. You're not, I'm, I'm not changing that. Lord, you can, you can have a big part of my life, but you're not having my finances. That's mine. And Lord, you can do and, and have parts of my life, but don't ask me for my kids. Don't send them off to a mission field. Don't have them go into the ministry. Lord, not that part. I have plans for them. Don't say, I surrender all. You see, the Bible commanded us and said that thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your might. We talk about not seeing the movement of God, and God says, why are you holding back from me when God held nothing back from us? All of that was when, when, when he talked about being baptized in the Spirit of God and he said, I will fill, I will fill, I will consume, I will take over, I'll take every part of them. But we want God to control the, every aspect of our church, but we're not willing to give him every aspect. We've been changed, we've been prepared. Week three, we talked about how we were empowered. He didn't just talk about the baptizing. He said, I will baptize them with the Spirit, and with fire. And in the Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God came down as fire. In the Old Testament, Elijah prayed down and God showed up as fire. The children of Israel were led out of, the, out, out of bondage by fire. Over and over again, God shows his presence by, by fire. It is the presence of power in us. And we showed the three examples of the, of the lamp that was empty and the fact that Judas looked like the rest of them, but he had nothing going inside. We talked about the ones that was filled but had no fire. God said, therefore, be passionate, be on fire, be light, be seen, be alive. God is not after lukewarm. What did he say about lukewarm, church? He said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. It's disgusting. He said, I wish that you were either cold or hot. I wish something was going on inside of you. I wish you were different than the world. And when that light, that fire, that passion, that excitement, the spirit of God burning inside of our life, you know what that is? The fact that we are alive and the world can see the light, not us, because I tell you, you turn off the light, you don't see that vessel. You see the light, you see God, you see the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of Tony. Then we talked about being equipped. That God works through the Spirit of God on that day of Pentecost. The Bible says that they gathered a crowd together. It wasn't them. It was the fact that God was working. The Spirit of God brought them there. I think it's important for us to get this. And I, I don't know if I effectively demonstrated or explained this last week. But you understand as we pray and we're saying, God, work in our church and work in my family's life. And sit there and we try to twist their arm. You realize that God does a much better job of bringing them to him than we do. Amen. So sometimes our family mean, members need more prayer on our needs than they need lectures in their living room. 
But sometimes we're sitting there, I raised you better than that. And if, if you really love me and da, 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 and we're trying to guilt them into coming to church when really we should be on our knees saying, God, I cannot reach their heart, but you can. God empowered them through the spirit of God. God, God used in that passage, God used the restored. God, God took a broken vessel of Peter, rose him up on that day and said, you be the preacher on that day. Allow them to realize that I, I, I restore the broken and I use the broken and I, I bring glory to me through that which was once discarded is no good. And then God works through his word. Peter preached the message of Jesus Christ, even though it was controversial, and one by one, they began to say, we've been pricked in our hearts. What must we do? So I bring you guys to another transitional passage that I wanted to skip. Is it okay for a pastor to say that? I, I, I got into this and I'm like, I don't know if I don't know what that means. So we're just going to skip over that. Okay, we're not going to skip it. Acts chapter 2 verse 16. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is Peter standing before them. And he says, hey guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that this, everything that's happening right now, God said it's going to happen. And he's preaching this, this message. He's bringing up a prophet from hundreds of years ago. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon flesh, upon all flesh. He's making this thing and saying, hey guys, you know what you're saying right now? This is just being what God promised would happen. Listen to this, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, I need your help, Lord, as I get into these verses. Lord, I, I've got a few minutes that I'm going to be able to stand before a group of Christians with the word of God that can change lives. And Lord, I know it's not the words that will leave my lips this morning that will make a difference. But it's the word of God that you spoke. You spoke to our hearts. And Lord, in this day, when they heard it, they were brought to the point of conviction and, and they, they were changed and well we want to read your words and be brought to conviction and to be changed we don't want to stay where we're at well we want to be more like you and to know you lord bless the study of your word today we pray in your name amen now i'll be honest these these passages used to make me nervous because of the fact that i've heard them taught and preached from so many different angles that, 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 that I see things and I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is. And that doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. But they are in the Bible and they do have meaning and we should not be afraid of them. When we read these things, we, we, we start thinking of, okay, these young men will dream dreams. And we're, we're thinking that one day people are going to wake up out of bed and say, God gave me a word. And, you know, all of a sudden I saw something and God's going to start unveiling things and all these things that come in and Joel wrote this and preached this way before the Spirit of God was there. So you've got to understand, if we either draw the timeline today on, on the stage, that Joel was over here, and Joel is prophesying what was to come. And God told him what was to come. And he was pointing to that day that God would bring his Spirit down. And the Spirit of God was going to help them write the rest of the New Testament. And then we would step into a period of time which we call the church. 
we're, we're going to call this first point that we're explaining right here the blessing. It's not the second blessing, it's just the blessing, okay? Don't, so don't get this confused. So for years, God worked through a prophet. God spoke through Moses, and Moses spoke to the people. God spoke to Amos, and Amos spoke to the people. God spoke to Joshua, and Joshua spoke to the people. But there was this disconnect between the average person and God. They would have to wait. And I'm saying sometimes when they would wait, they would wait hundreds of years. From Malachi to Matthew, there was 400 years of silence. Can you imagine not hearing from God for 400 years? I wouldn't want to go four days without hearing from God. There was times and seasons that it was quiet. We often say, I wish that I lived in the time where God split the Red Sea or God poured out fire from heaven or God did whatever. Let me tell you, no, you would not. We live in the most blessed day and age possible. And I'm not talking about the sin that we deal with or the opposition that we face. And by the way, there's always been sin that they dealt with and there's always been opposition that they faced. But Joel made a statement. He said, one day, God's going to work differently. He said, I, from heaven, am going to pour out on, on, on his people. I'm going to pour out on all of them. Not just the Joshua's and not just the Moses's. And if you read through the, what we just read, what, what did he say? He said in those last days, and we, we, we think of what that means. It's speaking of the New Testament. It's speaking of the age of grace. It's speaking of the time of the Holy Spirit. This is God's timeline. Have you ever stopped to think that as much as Esther and Abraham and Isaac were part of the timeline of God, so are you and I? That God is still telling his story, and part of his story today is Tony and John and, and, and Clarence and the rest of us. We are part of the story of God. And in that story of God, as God is telling it, he's saying there's going to be a day, and we're all t- always talking about the different times of God. I'm living in a period of God's promise right now. And he said in the middle of that, he said, I will pour out on sons and daughters and young men and old men and maidens and servants. It's no longer selective. It's all of us. He said, Scripture will never contradict Scripture. There was a time that God was still giving us His Word, and I think this is where we get confused. See, there was a period of time. So just, you guys help me with this. There was a period of time where God was still speaking to them. And God used men of Paul and and Abraham and them. And they were moved as they were moved by the Spirit of God to write this book. But you got to understand, there came a time where the book was done. Do you understand that we have everything that God wanted us to know? I have. Do you guys know that? He said, I want to know what God has for my life. It's in here. You, you want to say, I, I want to know the promises of God. It's in here. There is nothing left that you have to sit there and wait what's coming up or whatever. God said, this generation, I'm going to give them the full package. You are going to know. The Old Testament, they had to look forward to the cross. We have it. 
the New Testament, they would sit there and be hungry like in Thessalonians and they'd ask Paul, tell us about the coming of Christ. And they would get little bits at a time. I have in my hands the full written word of God. So I'm going to tell you, there was a segment of history, a segment of time where God spoke to them and told them what was to come. And John the Revelator wrote the book of Revelation and different people like Paul wrote letters to us and then at the end of it, it's here. So I know there was a time that God was going to speak to them, to prophesy, to tell them what God wanted us to know. But there's more to the prophecy that he was talking about. See, prophecy is also just simply giving out the truth or communicating what God is. And so, by the way, when he said that there'd be a day and age, we live in a blessed day and age that every single one of us today are called to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us have been equipped with the Bible. Every one of us have been equipped with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm talking about our sons and our daughters, that God can raise up a junior high girl to reach her school as much as God raised up Joel to reach a nation. That's our generation And it doesn't just say that they were going to do this, but in the middle of this, he also talked about they will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And I'm like, what in the world does that mean? And and during the time of the Old Testament, we had different things that would happen. And when they did not understand something, God would speak to them through a dream to give them understanding. You guys remember when the king was upset and he said, I don't know what this means. And in one story, Joseph helped. And in another one, you have the story of Daniel helping. And God went to them to give them clarity of speaking to their heart to draw a picture of what God was saying. And yet in our generation, we don't have to look for the picture to be known because God's already painted the picture. But God's given us the spirit of God. And all of a sudden, in our generation, God points out not just dreams and not just understanding, but he illuminates it in such a way that it's beyond comprehension. Maybe we don't look at it this way, but you realize how much God has given us understanding of his word? I'm not talking about Daniel with a dream. I'm talking about we live in a generation that God's allowed us to paint the scripture through media, through pictures, through books. We are one of the most blessed generations where God's made the word of God come alive to us. You talk about vision. Here, they would write down the vision of what was to come. But the vision that we live in, in the day and age that we live in, right here in the church age, looking forward. Guys, I don't mean to brag. They they were blinded to this in the Old Testament. But I know that the Lord's coming back. I know how the Lord's coming back. I know that he's coming in a thief in the night. I know that he's preparing a place for me. I've got a description of heaven. I know what's going to happen in heaven. I know about casting crowns. I know what I get crowned for. I am no longer in the dark. Let, Let me tell you guys. We are a blessed, 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 blessed generation. And God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit of God and I'm going to raise up. Yes, there was a segment of time that God was giving them the truth, but we live in the time that we're giving out the truth. There was a time that God was unveiling what was going to happen. Now we're proclaiming what's going to happen. And God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon them and allow them to do all of those things through the word of the Lord. A blessed generation. I know God's coming back. 
Actually, I know God's coming back so much that I can preach to you this next part because he went from the blessing of what God said that he was going to do and how he's going to work through that generation to verse 19. Because once again, this ought to stir our hearts. Listen to what God said. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and noble day of the Lord shall come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know there's a lot of debates on prophecy and the things to come and things like that. But let me give you some undeniable facts this morning. Because I know that there's a lot of debate. How many of you heard that God was coming back on September 23rd? Raise your hand if you heard that God was coming back on September 23rd. I spoke to God this morning and he said he's not. And I, I don't want you guys lifting me up as some sort of prophet, but I'm telling you, God is not coming back on September 23rd. And here we have God promising this thing in this passage of, the, of not only uh, of the proclamation of the blessing of what we have to give out the word and the blessing of what he does through this, but he gives us the signs of his coming. And you've got to understand he said in this passage, I will show wonders, I will show you signs. I believe the signs that God has given our generation is for the mercy of God saying at the end of it, I'm going to unveil to you some things that you're going to see because I am not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, God kept his promise when he promised Joel that one day the Spirit of God will work in the way he did. Can I tell you, God keeps his promise that one day he's coming back for us as well. God keeps his promise in the fact that in Luke chapter 21, 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth, the stress of nations where perplexity. Now listen to this. This is the signs that God has said. This is what Joel was prophesying of what is to come. And Jesus preaches this. The sea and the waves roaring. God said there's going to be this perplexity. The, the world, the, the earth is going to be um, in travail. It's going to be perplexed. It's going to be messed up. The description of war and rumors of war and all these things. How many of you guys have noticed and you say, you read something like that and say the seas and the seas roaring and I'm not trying to make this part of prophecy, but I'm saying in our generation of what God has given us to proclaim the word of God, God also says in the middle of it, he says, hey, time is running short. Have any of you noticed how much, I know how much we've been worked up in noticing everything going on in the world, but have you noticed how much the world has noticed how much is going on? I have never had so many unique statements said about the weather in all my life. Can I read some of them? Here's headlines, because I, I, just, I just literally cut and pasted their headlines, okay? National Weather Service said this, the intensity, frequency, and duration of the North Atlantic hurricanes, as well as the frequency of the strongest Category 4 and 5 hurricanes, have all increased since the early 1980s. The relative contributions of human and natural causes of these increases are still uncertain. National Geographic headlines said this, a number of Atlantic hurricanes that each year have doubled over the past century from global warming is largely, to, is largely to blame, according to a new study. 
over and over again, they say something is happening, but we don't understand why. Do you realize that he was preaching on that day and he's proclaiming these people and he's giving them this promise that one day there's going to be a generation that walks in the Spirit of God, that knows what's to come, that has the dwelling in the Spirit of God, that God unveils to us his promise and his blessings and his goodness and who he is. And we've got the Old Testament, we've got the New Testament, we've got all of this for us. And in the middle of that, he says, in the middle of that message, he starts talking about the things to come. They must come to pass. Luke 21, 11, when Jesus was also preaching about the signs. Now, once again, let me tell you, and I'll say this all day long. You talk about controversial and everybody doing the math and adding up numbers in the Bible. And when Jesus, the Bible makes it very clear, no man knows the day nor the hour. You say, Pastor Tony, how is he coming? I'm going to tell you guys right now. I'm going to tell you how he's coming. He's coming as a thief in the night. That's not my description. It was his. Because the Bible says no one plans for a thief. But in the middle of everything that he said about the signs that Joel was preaching and Peter was re-preaching in Acts chapter 2, he did say, I'll give you warning signs. Have you ever been flying in an airplane and you keep telling everybody, I think we're close, I think we're close. And all of a sudden they say, fasten your seatbelts. And then the next thing you hear is that weird noise underneath where they're bringing out the the, the wheels. And all of a sudden they start adjusting the wings and all that. I still don't know when we're going to land. But I tell you, there's enough signs for me to say, hey, buckle up. It's getting close. See, that's how God works. I I believe through the mercy of God and everything that he did. And I, I haven't even looked it up. Even this morning... I saw so many posts about uh, more earthquakes and things that are happening around us. And the Bible says in Luke 21, 11, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places. And there shall be signs. So there's going to be signs. I'm not going to leave you in the dark. I'm not going to leave you not knowing. He said, I'm going to stir you up so that generation that is a blessed generation also gets busy with what they are blessed with. So yes, To have freedom and to have churches and to have pews and to have the Spirit of God and to have technology and have Christian movies and Christian technology and websites and all this and we sit on it? Not an option. Headline again says, if you think, listen to this, if you think there have ever been more earthquakes than usual this year, you are right. A new study finds that there are more than twice as many earthquakes in the first quarter of 2014 as compared to the average of 1979. It says later, he says, from the U.S. Geographical Society, we have recently experienced a period that has gone to be one of the highest rated of earthquakes ever recorded. He says in Acts 2.19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs in the earth, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. I looked up that exact phrasing. It's found in, I I, want to say Acts 8, chapter 8, verse 8 of that. That literally describes the same thing. Many people believing that that description that it's talking about is that of war. Vapor of smoke, the, the moon turning the blood from, from the, the distortion of all the things in the fire and all the different, the, the darkness that comes across. 
I'm not going to stand up and explain every detail because I don't know every detail of it. I just know that God said that this is coming. So I know the fact that we've been given the signs, but I'll tell you the other fact that Joel was trying to prove to that generation that his time is short. Do you know why you flash signs when you say that, that, that there's a bridge ahead or whatever? Because you want them to react to what's coming. Whatever God gives us the signs for it so that we can respond to what's about to happen, that there's an intersection or slow down or there's a bridge out or whatever it is. How dare we see the signs that God gives our generation, our blessed generation, and we don't respond to it. When Jesus was also preaching about the, the, the last days and things, he said in Matthew 24, verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Honestly, that's why I get a kick out of it every time they say 88 reasons why God's coming back in 1988. God didn't come back in 1988. I hope he didn't come back in 1988. I'm kidding. The comparison says, but as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son man be. For as in the days of Noah, they were the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were living up life. They were, they were doing their thing. They were, they, they were going to the soccer games and they were picking up the kids and they were, they were doing all their things, but none of them were thinking that that boat and the warning signs and the preacher that had any significance whatsoever. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man be. Do you know why he's given us this? you know why it's laid out that way? Because Noah had a job to preach of the coming of Christ. And he had already given the promise. He had already given the solution. He had already been given the ark. He would already knew that the rain was coming here. He was blessed. But he was also warned. I think of Mark 13.30. You talk about prophecy and everything like this. Listen to this verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. If I were you, I don't care what age you are in this room right now, I would circle the words of this generation. Because that could be the very verse in the Bible that literally talks about Fellowship Baptist Church. I say, do you know that? I don't. But I also know that God didn't give us the signs or equip us or bless us or give us everything that we have in vain. Let me close with one last thought that we get from this. We talked about the blessing that he gave them and he talked about the warning that he gave them. But I want you to get the message and this message is going to be so simple of what we proclaim. I had the privilege over the last couple of um, six months to do something that is absolutely nerve-wracking. How many of you ever have been in a car with a teenager that was learning to drive? Raise your hand. Okay? So, I'm not going to embarrass my son Jordan. I'm not even going to mention his name this morning. Okay? I'm going to leave Jordan completely out of this. So Jordan, this past Wednesday, got his driver's license. So he's officially through that. Jordan is driving. Beware, be careful. 
So towards the end of it, he's going through driver's education, and he's doing the in-cars and things like that. And then I'm driving with Jordan, and he's sitting next to me. And as he's driving next to me, Jordan is sitting there, and he says to me, Hey, Dad, now who's supposed to be the teacher? Moi, right here. I'm the one that's been driving, or I get this, for almost around, I tried to do the math, around 24 years I've been driving. That should put me somewhere around professional status, I think, okay? And so I've got um, a 16-year-old sitting next to me that I would put as novice, okay, expert novice, okay? And Jordan looks over at me and he says, Dad, that was an illegal turn. I'm like, son, I've been driving for 24 years. I know how to turn a car. I, I, I changed lanes in the middle of an intersection. Apparently, you can't do that, okay? So, I've been changing lanes in intersection for 24 years. So, I went through, and I guess I found out there's a lot of stuff I do that's not right. Wait a minute. Okay, that's going to come back to bite me, isn't it? <laughs> not the point. Take that off the CD. So Jordan says, Dad, it's in the book. And if I get pulled over by the cops for an illegal turn or changing in an intersection or whatever, he's not going to stoop down and say, well, sir, how long have you been driving? Oh, long time. It must be okay. He's going to say, you go by the book or you don't do it at all. Because I think a lot of times what happens is we know the book. Then after time, we get away from the book and we start doing things our own way. We get so used to doing things our own way that we're convinced that it's right. We've got fully convinced in our minds and all of a sudden we not only do it wrong, we teach it wrong. To where when I tell my son to turn or get over or whatever, he says, Dad, I've got to wait. Or, Dad, I didn't do this. Or, Dad, you got to prepare. And he's warning me and doing everything. Why? Because he knows, because he read the book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, there's there just one word. I'm going to give you the message. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter finishes. He finishes this message. He talks about David. He talks about Jesus. He talks about Joel. He gives them the truth. And Peter said unto them, what's the next word? Repent. It's not the first time I've heard this message preached. See, Jesus preached the word. And he said unto them in Matthew 3, 2, when John the Baptist was preaching, he saith unto them, repent. Later in Matthew 4, verse 17, when Jesus was preaching, and he began to preach, saying unto them, repent. I'm not going to deny the fact that we serve a God of love. But all of a sudden, when we give the gospel out, sometimes our message is all love, okay? It is a matter of us getting it. We get so far away from the book that we start giving out things, and our message is something, God loves you. Did you know God loves you? Is that true? Can you guys tell me, is that true? Yes. It is true that God loves everyone. For God so loved the world that he died on the cross for them. That's how much he loves them. Is it true that God is a God of hope? Absolutely. 
There is hope in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, uh, if you're going through a hard time, can I tell you about hope? Yes, you can tell them about hope. Can I tell you about heaven? I don't want to go to hell, but I sure can tell you about heaven. And heaven is a place of streets of gold. And one day we're all going to be there and it's the reunion. Is that true? Yes, it's true. But sometimes we get so far away that we start preaching every message around the message that we forget about the message. Jesus said, Peter said, John the Baptist said, repent. That word in the Greek, that word in the Hebrew are similar. And it talks about a change of mind that affects the change of will. And it's, it, it breaks it down, and I can't even pronounce the word, but it breaks it down into two parts. But I, I studied the two parts. The first part affects our mind. Something affects our mind. And I tell you, we're good at this. We acknowledge this. We know this. You're in a service and you talk about the love of God and you talk about hell and you talk about sin and you talk about how we're guilty and all of a sudden I know that, I know that, I know that and it hits our head. But that's not salvation. Because the second part of repentance is a change of will. Have any of you ever gone on a trip before? And let's say you're 20, 30 minutes away from home. And something dawns on you that you, you forgot your bathroom bag or you forgot your suit hanging up in the closet. And all of a sudden, a war breaks out in your mind. Do I keep going and just deal with it or do I go back? And your wife looks over at you and says, honey, what, what's the matter? Ah, I think, oh, never mind. Ah, and you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's a war going on in your mind and you're processing. And something happens. I need that. I can't keep going without that. And all of a sudden, your wife says, what are you doing? You pull off the road, you get off the intersection, you turn around, you're not worried about the gas mileage, you're not worried about the time, you're not worried about what this does to your schedule, you just know that your brain spoke to your heart, there was a change of direction, and you're going back for what you need. Do you understand what the gospel is? The gospel is the fact that we know that Jesus loves us, that Jesus died for us, that Jesus is real, that heaven is real and hell is real. But the only way to come to salvation is to repent of your sin. Over and over again in scripture, when he talked about this, God gave this example. And in Acts, they preached it, that they should turn from their vanities unto the living God. Turn from unto God. You turn yourself from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, from darkness unto God. You cannot be saved and keep going in the same direction. Because if you are, you have not repented. I'm not saying that you're not going to struggle. I'm not going to say there won't be war in your mind. I'm not saying that you still won't be flesh. I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying this, that there's a generation of people that have part of repentance, that they have a mind of God. They've been the church. They know that he died. They know there's heaven. They know there's hell. But not to the point where you say, I'd rather have Jesus than that. I'd rather have God than that. I'm going to change my will. I'm going to change my direction. I'm not looking back. That's why Jesus said over and over again, you must deny yourself and follow me. Jesus was going in another direction. And I feel like today that churches are filled with people that have a knowledge of God that truly have not turned. 
how powerful it is that that church had revival on that day and 5,000 were saved and baptized and added to the church over one word that mattered, which was repent. May we never get hung up so much on the love of God and the future of heaven and everything else that we forget the message that we proclaim. And that is there is hell and there is sin and there is hope. But everything comes to when you change your mind, change your heart. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. It is a change. And I come to the close of this message this morning to tell you that the same way that Peter preached them that day, there had to come to a point in their minds where it traveled from their brain to their heart. This was their will. This is where actions happen. If you read it, they, it says that they were, they, were, they were baptized. There was an action they had followed. They didn't care if they died. They didn't care if they were crucified. They didn't care if they were brought out in stone. They didn't care. I want God in my life. And if you've never come to the point of a change in your life, whether you like it or not, the message is still true. You must repent your sin. And I know that there's people here today that maybe God did the same thing. He's jerked in your heart saying, you are not changing your direction. You're doing the same thing. There's not been a change of mind. There's only been a change of emotion. And that's not the same you can get the warm and fuzzies. You can get all worked up. You can laugh and cry in the songs and the service. But that's not the same thing as changing your mind. That changes your will.